man who has truly changed millions of people's lives, Max Lucado, joins us now. He is New York Times multi-time best-selling author. Uh, he has a new book out, How Happiness Happens. We talked to him a couple of weeks ago for a few minutes, and I wanted him back because he's on to something. And I think this is the biggest problem that we face in the world today is a lack of finding happiness. Uh, and, and Max, somebody, somebody said to me uh, the other day, uh, when I said, how are you? They said, I am fantastic. And I said, really? And they said, yeah, you know, nothing in my life is, is, has gone wrong today. And nothing, my family is doing pretty good. I mean, we still have our problems, but it's pretty good. My business is pretty good. My health is pretty good. And so you would think that he was going to say, so how are you? Pretty good. He's like, if everything is just kind of like status quo, I should celebrate because one of those things is going to go wrong. This is the best time I've had in a long time. I'm fantastic. <laughs> we, we, what a different That's perspective. A great, That's a great perspective. It is. So, so many times I think we uh, sacrifice our happiness on the altar of high expectations. Yes. You know that everything has to be just perfect. Right. Uh, everybody has to agree with us. The traffic has to be just right. And we enter the day with such high expectations. And high expectations can be the enemy of gratitude. It, it can cause us to not be grateful for the very many good things that are happening in our lives. And, you know, when you, when you look at it differently, because I started thinking about that, and I thought, okay, well, my son is struggling in school. I have... I have other family members that are battling with depression. Uh, one that's about to go in for brain surgery, and one was just diagnosed with epilepsy. And those are my those are my kids. And I was like, oh, my. you know what? But you know what, Max? I thought, but you know what? We all get along. We're all having really good time in our relationship. Yeah, those things are those things are happening. But we're really fantastic. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. And, and and really, perspective matters the most, doesn't it, Glenn? It does. I mean, any anybody can find reason on any day to be downcast and and down spirited, and then that that um, we run into that person who has so f- much less than we do. Just like last night, I, I was I was a little bit cranky. My wife and I took my granddaughter out to a, a, a restaurant. And the guy who was serving us dinner was just, you'd have thought he, I don't know, he he was a Super Bowl winner. Mm -hmm. He was just so happy to be Mm -hmm. there, so happy to be there. And I thought, and he and I are about the same age. You know, I'm in my mid-60s. And and I thought, would I be that happy? Would I be that happy uh, to to be working as hard as he is? And he loves his work. And uh, and here I was uh, sitting in a restaurant that's very... Uh, affordable for me, but for most people in the you know billion people and billions of people in the world, they could not afford it. Uh, it, it you know, it, it was a perspective, just a wake up mm-hmm. call. Come on, Lakato, be grateful. Don't let your don't let your day be sucked out to joy. I mean, sucked out to sea. Don't let your joy be sucked out to sea by just a rotten, rotten perspective. And, and my point in the book, Glenn, we're paying a high price for this. We are. Um, where, where there's a lack of happiness, there is uh, an abundance of health issues. Uh, happier people have healthier marriages. Uh, 
Happier people make more money. Happier people are more common and commonly and quickly promoted. And so really the pursuit of happiness is, is more than a phrase in our founding documents. Uh, but it's a but it's a, a moral obligation that we have to those around us. We're better people when we're happy. So there's there's several things that come to the top of mind on what is causing us to have this lack of of happiness. Um, and can we just tick some of them off and and tell me you know w- what role these these play? But I I think of. Um, you know, being self-absorbed and 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 absorbed in your problems, and not seeing your problems as as blessings. I mean, my father taught me. Um, you know, uh, long story short, he taught me that there is no real bad that happens to you. It's only how you relate to it that makes it bad. Good point. Good point. Um, and when you when you have trust that there is something above you bigger, and there is no such thing as a coincidence and that it's going to be okay in the long run you don't get that job this thing doesn't happen it doesn't destroy you your kids get sick it doesn't destroy you because you know it's all going to be right it's going to take me to the place i'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. how much of that has been lost now because of our faith that's huge that's just huge you know, the $2 term for that in theology is sovereignty. Sovereignty is the belief that, and, and I remember a professor told me once that the understanding of sovereign is found in the word itself, R-E-I-G-N, reign, sovereignty. Uh, you know, sovereignty is the belief that there is a king. There is a king, somebody who reigns over the affairs of our lives. And um, I just, boy, I just, I don't mean to sound like a, old religious stiff-necked person. I'm not, but I do believe that secularism is taking its toll on our day. Uh, When we raise up a a generation of people that are taught uh, that prayer is bad, it's not permissible, it's not something we turn to, it's not a go-to response, uh, and when we, and when we, uh, when it, when it's, it's unpopular, to, to be a person of faith and our role models deride faith. Uh, we're going to pay a price for that, I think, Glenn. And, and, and as a result, uh, people don't know where to turn. They think, they think that the, that, that all of life is, is wind on a, you know, on a, on a windmill, you know, or a mm-hmm. weather vane. It's just however the wind kind of blows. And, and some people are lucky. Some people aren't. And, and that leads to a, a, just a, gloomy sad small view of life it's whereas a, what your father taught you that there's a there's a being in charge and this being really does care for our well-being we can we don't have to all agree on the nature of that being how even to access that being uh how that being has revealed uh has been revealed to us but what's essential is the belief that there's somebody in the cockpit and somebody's in charge of getting us to where we're supposed to go. You know, it's amazing because so many people who are atheists, um, some of them are real militant, just like some Christians are real militant. Um, but they'll they'll it bothers them that you believe in God. And I've I've had conversations with people, and I said, why does that bother you? If it makes me happy and makes me a better person, makes me a better father, makes me a better citizen, and it works for me. I'm not trying to jam it down your throat. 
why is this such a bad thing? Even if there is no, there is no man in the sky. Fine. This belief made me into a much better person. Uh, and I don't know why our society doesn't look at people who practice their faith, not who claim, but people who practice their faith. They are happier on the whole. Yeah, they are. I think you're making such a great point. Oh, no, every comment you've made there, we could, you know, but what you were saying there, those who practice their faith, uh, those who those who claim to have a faith but don't practice it, uh, it that's always been the challenge, right? Uh, uh, even the teachings of Jesus, his hardest words were reserved for those hypocrites who like to stand out on the street corner and pray loud prayers just so they'll be heard. I mean, if that's a turn off to Christ, it's going to be a turn off to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that we we pay a high price for that. But there is in our country such a massive population group that would say, "My faith has made me a better person." made me a better wife, a better husband, uh, that they are a resounding chorus to the to the power of a heartfelt and, and genuine faith. You're absolutely right. So it makes us better people. Max, let me I'm going to take a one minute break and then we come back and, and let me talk about those people, because are they the numbers seem to say that they are disappearing, that they are, yeah. are more and more people are saying, now nah, I don't really believe in anything. Um, and, and I think they are critical. I've said just the other day, if we don't turn our face back to God, beg for forgiveness and ask for his help and humble ourselves, we are toast. And, uh, that's, that's nobody in mainstream media is, is saying that kind of stuff. They deem that crazy. And I'm wondering if these people are just quiet right now, or if it Mm -hmm. is actually dwindling, uh, as as people say it is. Max Lucado, uh, when we come back, the name of the book is How Happiness Happens, and we're going to get into that. Uh, he outlines things that you can do, and studies show you do these things, and it actually helps. Uh, happiness. We go back to him in one minute. All right, uh, Max Lucado is here, and uh, one of the reasons why I'm having him on, I'm just being transparent, is he's friends with Chip and Joanna Gaines, and they're my favorites. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan, and if you ever just want to pass my name out there and say, gee, you know, I have a friend, and he'd love to have dinner with you guys, feel free, Max. I'm just saying, feel free. Um, <clears throat> those Those two people, if you watch Chip and Joanna, they have a what seems to be a happy family because they seem to have fun with each other. They laugh. They love each other. They support each other. In your book, you talk about how it's got to be a five to one ratio, positive to negative. Are you there, Max? Yes. yes okay. Yes. And you talk yes. about how you have to have, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have more positive uh, yeah, going out yeah. than negative. Talk about families and relationships. Yeah, yeah. You're right about Chip and Joanna. They're just splendid people. I, I wish I knew them better, but I, I know Chip better than I know Joanna. So, you, and, uh, I mean, you know Chip enough to say, hey, you should get together so, with my friend Glenn, right? I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll send him a text right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyway, Max, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you, you know, this whole issue of happiness the the big idea is that we we find we can find happiness by making other people happy 
that's that's really the, what we cherish about people who have a genuine happiness. They they haven't found it because they won the lottery. They haven't found it because they found a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. They found it because they discovered that the secret to happiness is is making other people happy. Mm-hmm. And, and you cited some really fascinating research, and that is that healthy, happy marriages have a five-to-one ratio of encouraging words uh, over negative wounds, uh, negative words. Uh, the, the truth is words can wound people. Words can bless people. Some people's words are like water on an oak tree. Some people's words are are like a poison or, or some type of toxicity on an oak tree. And um, and so what, what I urge people in this book is look at the ways that you can make other people happy because you you set out today to make five or ten people happy. You just set out today to, to give them words of encouragement, to bless them, to compliment them, and you'll be amazed how the, the clouds part in your own sky and uh, and it really will you really will find that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know that sounds like such, you know, dime store, uh, uh, yeah, advice. It sounds too simple, but, doesn't it, it? Right, but it is true. I am convinced, Max, that you know it, we are arguing so much about how bad things are in our past and everything else. If we just said, you know what, let's put that on the table for a while. Let's put that on back burner for a while. There are 50 million slaves right now enslaved in the world. Let's let's wow. work together to get those yeah. people out of bondage. I think yeah. we would forget about all of our problems quickly yeah. and the people yeah. we thought we were, you know, enemies with would soon become our friends because we were not focused on us. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely the truth and and that's a that's a biblical truth. And it's increasingly being borne out by uh, by research. In in the first chapter of the book, I talk about what I thought was really a fascinating piece of research, in which um, in which volunteers uh, were uh, were were attached to an MRI scanner, and they were asked to imagine, uh, Glenn, not even do, but just to imagine doing good things for other people. And when they imagined it. That part of our brain that is called the pleasure center just lit up like Christmas trees. And, and just the thought of doing something good for somebody generated the same uh, response that a good meal or a hobby uh, or a beautiful walk on, you know, in the, in, 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 on a trail on a blue, blue sky day, it, it generated that level of happiness. So the point is you don't have to change your circumstances to find happiness. That's the big lie. Mm -hmm. And that is, if I can get my circumstances right, then I'll be happy. All we need to do is go from the posture of everybody take care of me to the posture of I'm going to try to serve other people. Uh, I heard a speaker, actually, my wife heard a speaker just over the weekend uh, bemoan what you were talking about, and that is the the decrease in, in church attendance. And I love to explore that with you. It's it's a disturbing fact. And he said, I wonder how much of that is the fact that we live in a society where if your coffee isn't exactly the way you want it, you walk it back up to the counter and they'll make you a brand new one and give you an apology. Or if your pizza is not the way you want it, they'll, they'll send a team to your house and, and bring you a new pizza. And he said, I wonder if, if we've created an attitude in, in churches of all sorts 
that uh, if you don't like the temperature or the song or something the preacher said, then, you know, it needs to be fixed to serve me. It's, 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 a, it's a consumer mindset uh, that, that is taken into churches, and consequently, no church is perfect, especially mine. <laughs> mm. And so people are saying, well, they're not, they're not meeting my expectations. And, uh, and, and as a result, the attendance is at an all-time low. I would like to actually explore that. Uh, <clears throat> let me take a break here. But I, before we do, let me just throw this out. My son uh, said to me Sunday morning, we're getting up to go to church. And he said, Dad, why do we have to go to church? I'm so tired. Why do we have to go to church? And I said, because we have to say thank you for all the things that have gone right this week and all the blessings that we have. We have a lot to be grateful for. And I, 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 I wonder if we have forgotten that this isn't our time to have things made right for us this is our time to go with gratitude and to hear what he's trying to tell us okay here's what you do next i don't know if we we have that attitude back in just a second with max lucato Welcome back to the program. Max Lucado is uh, with us. He has a new book, How Happiness Happens, and uh, he has some steps that you can take. We can get to those here in just a second. I, I, I want to ask you, uh, Max, uh, the depression that is going on, especially with our kids, there's nothing, it, nothing seems real anymore. There's no real, real true connection. It's virtual connections. There's, I mean, touch is important to people. Uh, you can't touch families are not, you know, all together the way they used to. How much of this virtual world is causing some of the depression that we are seeing now in youth? Yeah. Yeah. It's so disturbing, isn't it, Glenn? The statistics are so, so saddening. And, and, uh, boy, I just would be heartbroken if anybody thought I was in any way, uh, downplaying this terrible, terrible trend, uh, depression. I mean, not not only depression, but suicide is up thirty three percent since nineteen ninety nine. And 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 there's it. a difference between depression and clinical depression. I mean, there's there, that's a that's a whole different level. And clinical depression is when you're suicidal. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And 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 being able to interrupt that depression early on yeah. and get treatment and 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 uh and seek help uh it, it seems to me we should ask the question what's going on in our generation that's unique to this generation and and is and it could be these be contributing factors everything um, though max is unique i mean unique everything it's, it's, <laughs> it's the fast things have changed more in the last 30 years than in the last 300. Absolutely. You think about so much has changed so fast that it's really, I think, contributing to, to all of our anxiety. Uh, our smartphones uh, don't allow us any downtime. I mean, it's just, and I'll confess, during the break, what was I doing? I was checking my smartphone. Mm. I should have been taking my breath or offering a prayer, saying, Lord, mm-hmm. give me wisdom. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've, I've bought into it as well. There, there's no downtime. And... I think the the young people uh, are falling victim to thinking that's their community, their their uh, saw you know this this internet community 
where they can, you know, text people. They can uh, get online and, and just share ideas or even look at pictures. But, Glenn, that's not authentic community. Uh, that's that's not where you really have the opportunity to open up to somebody and build a friendship with someone. And so I think that's a factor. So I think there's several factors that are coming into play. Uh, but it's a it's a very disturbing trend. So um, let's go through a couple of the things that you recommend in the book that I think are fantastic. Um, you say next time you're going through the airport, um, look at everybody and uh, give them an intercessory prayer. Explain that. <laughs> well, the, the, yeah, again, the big idea of the book is happiness happens when we give it away. And, and the New Testament is packed full of passages that urge us to do things for one another. They're the one another verses. And so I took 10 of them and uh, unpacked them in the book and said, here's some examples of things you can do. And, and one of them is pray for one another. Pray for one another. Uh, and this is, uh, like you say, on a, a kind of a casual level as you're walking through an airport or a shopping mall or a grocery store. Rather than get overwhelmed by your to-do list or the travel, take a moment and just say, Lord, bless that person over there who's on the computer. Bless that little child who's been born into this busy world. And what happens is not only are we activating the power of prayer, which I think is just the greatest power there is, but we're getting our minds off of ourselves. We're, We're expanding our circle. We're lifting up our eyes, and we're seeing people all around us. And then this is especially important with those uh, for whom we have uh, a deep concern that we know very well. Uh, parents, uh, you, you know, talk to me all the time about what can I do about my son who's a prodigal or, or my daughter who doesn't call home or what can I do? There's nothing I can do. And I, I'm trying to be quick to remind them and say, oh, there's a lot you can do. You can pray. And when we pray, we give our prob- we give that person to God. We we place that person in God's hands. None of us have big enough shoulders to carry everybody's problems. We don't even have big enough shoulders to shoulder our own. And so one way, one one thing that takes our joy is we try to carry the burdens of other people. Well, nobody can do that, Glenn. And what we can do is we can carry those burdens to God. We say, God, please. Please help my child or please help this person. And I, I think that that's uh, a, a, an, a, an avenue that uh, everybody can take and end up happier. Uh, a person doesn't have to have a, you know advanced degree in theology. They, they don't have to understand all the questions about, about faith. They can just take, take their concerns and lift them up to God in prayer, pray for people. Uh, and I pray personally with I know I'm a pastor so people might say well you're supposed to but I don't tell people that I was just with a person day before yesterday uh, uh, I, I ran into them in a parking lot they were helping me with groceries and I, they looked discouraged and I said would you be offended if I just said a prayer for you and he said I'm never offended by prayer and I just said Lord bless this person lift their spirit today and help them to have a better day well I, I don't know what God did for them, but I know what he did for me. Mm-hmm. I got in the car a happier person and because uh, I, I felt like I had done something for that person that that person needed. It's and just simple things we can do it, it, it make it, all of us happier. Doesn't it, also, um, doesn't it also help you start to notice people? So many people feel unnoticed. 
uh, and alone. And it helps you. That's a great point. It's, it helps you notice people and look at people differently. Because when you're just kind of looking around and you're focused on your own thing, you're just seeing people. But if you're really looking at people, you'll see things in their faces. You might notice their clothes. You might notice their hands or something. And you'll, you'll start to notice them. And you'll start to not only just not focus on yourself, but you will see the struggles of other people, and it will become a habit. What a great point. That is excellent. That's excellent. Glenn, I have a friend who saw a epitaph. Uh, he saw it chiseled in a gravestone the phrase, I was born a human, but I died a grocer. And I think what he was saying is, I just became a functionary in the world. People saw me as the one who checked them out in the grocery store line. Uh, we can all tend to do that. We can, mm. we can pigeonhole people and say that person uh, runs the convenience store or that's the person you know, who uh, oversees the security at the, at the parking lot. When each person, every single person, is an idea of God and God has no bad ideas, every single person. And, and I think this is especially important in, in the world in which you live, Glenn, and you do such a masterful job at, and that is not our, – our tendency is to say that person you know, is with the donkeys, that person is with the elephants, that person has this position. That per- and we forget that that's – even though we might disagree with that person, they're still a human being, and they deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. And so anything we can do to help us remember that, that we live in a – in a society of living, breathing ideas of God is good for us. It, and it's good for it's us. It's hard in a, in a society that makes everyone who isn't exactly thinking the same thing that your team is thinking. It's hard because everybody wants to make those people into enemies. And, yeah. uh, and y- you have enough evidence that there are people that are actively trying to thwart what you believe is true, that it, it, it's, it's extraordinarily difficult. One of the things that's unique, uh, and I, it just seems like I've only experienced it in the last five or six years, is something that we might call guilt by association. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go on anyone's program, and, and I'll, I'll, I love conversations. I love being interviewed. I love to interview and but but of the last four or five years, I will get emails or, or people posting things on my Facebook saying, uh, "You were on so and so's program. Don't you know what she thinks about?" And then fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Are you on so and so's program? Don't you know what they say about? Are you one of them? And it's just this. I bet you get that all the time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's, there's it, no way I, to win. There's no way to win. There's no way to win. You know. It, we're, we're just carrying on a conversation, to, and we're respecting one another. That doesn't mean that you agree with everything everybody says. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what happened. It, it, there's some civility that got lost somewhere along the way. It's arrogance. I think we're, uh, you know, I wrote about this in one of my books, that uh, the problem that I f- uh, suffer with sometimes is um, certitude, that I am certain that I am right. And the minute I am certain that some that I am right, then n- the person with the other opinion doesn't matter to me anymore. And mm. you, you so you don't listen to them. You're just trying to tell them eventually just shut up because you don't get it. Well, once you're certain you're done, there's there's no mm. way to communicate. 
Mm. Only if you look at somebody and go, uh, there's something that is driving them. There's something that I'm missing here. There's something there's something that they see that I don't see or they think they see. And I want to learn that until you are willing to go down that road with people. And not all people mm-hmm. are willing to to, you know, reciprocate. Um, but until you go down there, you're, you're just it's just an exercise in futility. What a great point. What a great point. There's a, there's just a wonderful story in the in the New Testament about the time that that Jesus was on his way to treat the daughter of the most important man in the village and a woman reached up and touched him on the hem of his garment, and she was an outcast because she had suffered for many years from a, what's called what was called an issue of blood, and she was marginalized by society. But Jesus stopped because he knew he had healed her, and he asked her to come forward. And there's a little phrase there in the gospel story that says, Jesus listened to her whole story. He listened to her whole story. And and I thought, how long has, had it been since anybody had listened to her whole story? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a real balm that comes when we listen to people. Uh, you know, you honor people, Glenn, because you listen to them. You you take time to you you may not. I'm sure you don't agree with everything they say, but you listen. You you let them express themselves. And this is something that all of us can do, and we can learn from it. Uh, one of my friends says that the best question that any of us can learn to ask is, how does it feel to be you? How does it feel to be you? How, how does it feel to be a female in a gray flanneled world? You know, Or how does it feel to be a teenager in this day and age? Tell me, how does it feel? How does it feel to be uh, you know, a middle-aged white man in this day and age? What's it like to be you? That's a great way to start a conversation and, and to urge people. Just just tell me your story, and I think there's there's some healing that happens when we do that. Max Lucado, um, you can follow him at maxlucado.com. The name of his book is How Happiness Happens, and the thing I like about this book is that it actually gives you things that will turn into a habit. Uh, the things that, that long ago when I was trying to find my way, uh, the things that I did, like dismiss coincidence for 30 days— changed my life the things that he talks about and the tips he gives you can change your life how happiness happens by max lucado max thank you so much we'll talk again you're such a delight thank you glenn god bless great to talk to you bye-bye uh (laughs) welcome to the program i'm uh, so glad that you're uh you're here thanks saturday we not you well saturday we have a um uh, the M1 ball, and this is where we raise money to be able to hire the people that we need to hire so we can go and do these things. Mercury won your charity, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and, um, and you know, the the things that we're involved in now with the Nazarene Fund and everything else is just crazy great. I mean, you just heard Max Licato talk about doing things for other. I can't tell you how many people who have been involved with Mercury One uh, even just on the donation level, get such satisfaction out of it. Um, this this uh, ball we do once a year to pay for all the salaries and everything. So when I raise money on the air, I can say 100% of the proceeds go to uh, 
Um, and so I like to try to do something that you're interested in. You get something back. Uh, and th- so the ball is happening this Saturday at the Dallas Omni Hotel. We would love to see you there. You can watch Saturday night if you can't make it. The, the Mercury One Facebook page, live sc- uh, stream of the ball. Um, and we also have an auction going on now. Yeah, there's a six-day, five-night trip to Florida. There is um, uh, this. Uh, there's another. There's this trip to Burns Ranch, which I have to admit, the first time I looked at it, I thought it said the Bunny Ranch, and I was like, that's a weird trip <laughs> for Mercury One to be giving away. Yeah, no, but hey, maybe no, Jeffy donated it. No, uh, no Burns Ranch uh, hunting trip. There's all sorts of really cool all stuff sorts going of on. really great stuff, including a painting that. Yeah, you will not get because I, I, I want this so bad. Uh, this beautiful painting of uh, sept- uh, of uh, of our 828 on the mall in Washington D.C. It is so unbelievably intricate. I've never seen anything like it. Um, anything that you are looking for, just check out our auction site at mercuryone.org/slash/m1ball. Yeah,